0: Hello and welcome to the TPM Podcast with your host, Mario Gerard. Generally, all my podcasts have been interviews with other TPMs at various organizations. The goal has always been to help them share their perspectives with our listeners. This TPM Podcast, however, is a little different. It is a recording of a fireside chat I did with a group of TPMs at Amazon. Nacho, a senior TPM at Amazon, had organized this, and I'm very grateful to him. If there are particular topics that you would like me to cover, do feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would also be very grateful to you if you could subscribe to the podcast and share it with your fellow TPM friends. Now let's tune in to the conversation I had with Nacho.
1: Please, everyone. Jamie, welcome in Mario. You know, Mario is a well known member of the TPM community with 15 years plus experience, uh, currently working as principal TPM at Oracle and owner and host of the TPM blog and the TPM podcast, helping people to either start or grow on their TPM career. Mario agreed to have this QI session with us. So over the next, let's say 40 minutes, I will be asking him about those interesting questions that we have been gathering from our local community of TPMs at Amazon in Madrid. And if you have any follow-up questions, please use the chat. I will try to accommodate times so we can speak about them together either during the interview or at the very end. And as I mentioned, I'm recording the session in order to capture the transcript later and share it and check internally and with Mario if we can distribute the video itself. Mario, thank you again. It's a pleasure having you here. Why you don't briefly introduce yourself before we start with the questions?
0: Sure, sure. Thank you so much for having me. It's it's really nice to meet TPMs not only in another organization, but it's uh, it's also another country. So I think this is the first time I'm actually talking to a group of TPMs outside the the United States. So that's really cool. So a little bit background of how my career has transpired and how this all started. So I, starting off, it was, uh, I did my engineering in India, and then I went on to do my MBA in UK, I, uh, in the United Kingdom, worked there for some time. Then I came back to India. I worked at Oracle Sales for... Um, nearly three years selling Oracle products uh, in the United States. Then I got married, uh, came to the United States. And then I this was in 2009. And I could not find a job because of the um, economic troubles. And, you know, I was trying to move from India to the United States. So I had to find myself a new job. And that's when I started. Uh, I probably was jobless for nearly a year, trying to figure out what I was supposed to be doing and all that. And then I started in quality assurance and testing. I started doing automated tests, became a test manager, a program manager, a TPM, and then the rest is like senior TPM in principle, right? So, so it's been a kind of an interesting journey uh, to have been in different roles uh, for the last 15-20 years or so. So that's been very interesting. So like seven, eight years ago, what happened was I started hearing a lot about the Cloud in Seattle, probably more than eight years. It was seven, eight years ago, yeah. Approximately seven, eight years ago. And then I was like, okay, how do I learn more about uh, the Cloud and all of these things? So I was like, okay, let me just, you know, host a WordPress site on AWS. That's, that's That's going to be my goal and so i bought a domain and i and i stood up a wordpress site and i started slowly writing on the wordpress site which was hosted on uh, aws and that's how my blog basically was born and in this time when i'm when i'm writing uh, when i'm just starting the blog i realized in seattle especially there was this new role i was a project manager at that point of time i was um, implementing ERP projects, which are kind of, you know, you have finance systems, your HR systems, and those kind of things. And then um, what happened was, as I said, right, so the TPM role is starting to gain prominence, and Amazon's one of those companies which, which kind of, they are hiring for the TPM role. But then the TPM role itself was so ambiguous, right? There's even today, it's ambiguous. Seven to 10 years ago, it was even more ambiguous. So my journey started talking and meeting with people from Amazon, TPM from Amazon. I live very close to the Amazon downtown office. So I used to go uh, hit people up on LinkedIn and then go meet them for breakfast and coffee and beer and whatnot, right? And while I'm doing this and talking to people, I'm taking notes and I'm like understanding the role better. And even today, if you ask 20 TPMs what TPMs do, you're going to get a whole variety of answers. So I start taking notes. And then I get a better sense of the role. And then I'm like, why don't I share this with more people? Because this information is so rare and job descriptions are never well written across all organizations, right? So it's like, so that's how this whole journey started. And now, you know, um, it's become a very popular website. I have a podcast, which is very popular as well. I have a Udemy course, which has like around 3,500 students. So it's, like, it's taken off really well, and I'm always happy to share that knowledge and help more people learn uh, about the role. So that's been a real good passion of mine, and it's, uh, it's been fun so far.
1: It's a super exciting and interesting story. You know? And also, you have answered, I think, the first question that we had, which is, why did you decide to help other TPMs? I think that you covered already that. Yeah, a little
0: more about that, I think, is that I feel that the role, as I said, right, the role is really ambiguous. So, it's important to talk more about it and and help people understand the role. Also, I feel if, um, as I help people, I feel I'm helping them shorten the time it takes to move or to make that transition, right? Otherwise... People, it takes a longer time to make a transition or to move into the TPM role. So it's it's kind of become you know that acceleration uh, acceleration is is definitely a factor. But it's also that I've been enjoying it for the last five years. So I wouldn't be doing it if I don't enjoy it.
1: Mm-hmm. I fully agree that if you are working or doing something that you enjoy, you know it's a force multiplier. You know to everything that you do every day. And related to the ambiguity of the role, I think I fully agree also. And this has been something that we have been talking about among TPMs here. I think that this ambiguous, not only cross companies, but also in the same company, cross orgs or on yes. teams on the, on the same organization. What TPMs do is completely different one thing compared with a different one, the same yes. team at different moments on their program, et cetera. There is a lot of ambiguity there. And it's super important to work on that, you know, and, and set the right expectation about what are your ownership and your tasks for your role at this very specific moment.
0: Exactly. I think, as you said, right, I think the last word, I'll hold on to the last word you said at this specific moment, Right, mm-hmm. and I think some of the questions uh, touch upon that, but it's all about what your team needs today and now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. Right, so um, let's, let's move to the next question. This is, a lo- <laughs> this is the longest one, by the way, which is, I often describe the TPM job as a be water my friend type of job. Just like water, we adapt to the vessel, we land on and fill the gaps. It may be lack of tech depth from a product manager, engineering team day-to-day management, improving communications, setting up team mechanics. Most of these tasks, however, already have a designated owner, either the product manager or the software development manager. So sometimes it feels like the TPM is an optional, powerful power up for the team, but without clear ownership. How do you deal with this
0: situation? Yeah, I think we just touched on it as well, right? So definitely a very interesting question. We as TPMs do whatever it takes to make things happen, right? And in the process, we are wearing multiple hats. Our core responsibility is to ensure that the team is successful. And as a person who asked the question says, right, it's definitely hard. And I think one is you as an individual need to focus on understanding the needs of the team and providing for the team, that's number one. Right. That's very, very important. You need to be malleable to do that. The second part I think which we sometimes forget is letting our managers or whoever you're reporting to uh, know like where are the weaknesses you see in the team and what you are doing to fill in those gaps. Because unless you tell your manager what you're actually working on, because there's so much randomization, right? As a TPM which we deal with, I think if you don't tell your manager, like these are the things I'm doing, a lot gets lost. So I I think it's on us as TPMs to let the manager know, right, that we're filling in all these gaps. That's point number two. No. On The third point I feel is that ideally, you're not filling in gaps for too long. Ideally, you're either helping that individual who you're filling the gap for grow and fill his or her gap really well so that they can take that on. You're bringing in some outside help to fulfill a different role. Supposing you're working as a dev manager part-time or you're working as a product manager part-time. You're actually like bringing in somebody to fill in those gaps. Mm -hmm. So my general goal for TPMs is that you're building up the team, especially if you're an embedded TPM within a team, is that you need to ensure that the team can run without you. That's when I feel you'll be like super successful like you need to ensure that it's all a well-oiled machine so that you set up the processes you put in the right tools the right people in the right places that it all runs so smoothly that they actually don't need you and you go and figure out something which is totally different right you go and you go to work on bigger things so i think that's how i look at it but it is a need that you go and do this, but it's not forever. So you you shouldn't be working for four years on a team and, and you're still plugging in holes. I see. So that makes sense? That makes and
1: that's sense. that's my
0: view. That's my view. I don't think this is, you know, this is just how I feel we should operate, how I would operate, right? So.
1: Yeah, and there are many teams that they don't have a TPM and in temporary situation, they got one in order to define mechanisms, define processes, start making things happen, you know. And once the, once the things are, are already working, then the TPN can move to to take a step, you know, a lateral step, moving to help to a different team or move up the ladder and try to help problems at, at a different level. I think that what you mentioned makes a lot of sense. Okay, so the next question is about a different topic, which is about working from home you know remote working <laughs> <laughs> which yes. is super interesting question nowadays so do you have yes. an experience
0: in remote tpm work so i've led remote teams in the past and for the last i don't know how many of you you guys probably know in the united states we've been working from home for the last one year now so mm-hmm. march to march it's uh, last march to this march is literally a year So it's it's been interesting. So the question has three parts. So I'll take one by one. So Mm -hmm. the first part is, uh, do you have experience? I think I answered that part. What is your opinion of it? I think as TPMs, first, right? In the United States, if you look at it right now, I feel that the workforce and how we operate is almost changed forever. And this is, again, right, this is a personal opinion. I feel that the number of people who want to come into office all the time want to come into office, that is five days a week that you're coming into office, is dramatically reduced over the next five years. Mm -hmm. And the reason for that is we have proven over not one month, not two months, nearly twelve months, that or and more, right? That we can effectively work from a work-from-home environment, right? So most likely, what I see most teams, most tech teams doing in the future is you have two days of work from the office. So as a team, you decide probably, okay, Monday and Tuesday, I'm gonna come in, and the entire team tries to come in. No, it's not mandatory. So it's going to be, what I'm trying to say is, it's going to be a lot of remote work moving forward. And this is just an opinion, right? We're trying, I'm trying to predict the future. So we need to be more comfortable in working remotely as a TPM. And in my opinion, that's definitely harder. I feel you need to build on new skills To work more effectively as a TPM as you're working from home. And some of those things are like building relationships are harder, right? So it's going to be like there are advantages and disadvantages. The next question is on the freelance and remote TPM work. I think generally there will be more freelance and remote TPM work. If you look at the United States, Amazon and other tech organizations like like Oracle or or, um, Facebook, all of these companies are now hiring not only in the hubs, like Seattle is a hub, California, uh, San Francisco is a hub. They're not only hiring these hubs now, most of these companies are hiring all across the United States. And what that tells me is that remote work is here to stay, right? Mm -hmm. It's not going to go away anytime soon. So the downside is that you're going to have People working in different time zones, uh, even within the United States, though you might have the same problem in in Europe. Building relationships is significantly very difficult. I was uh, evaluating my last one year. And I asked myself this question, how many new relationships have I built in the last one year with, within my work environment, right? And I'm a person who generally works in very large-scale projects. So every year, if I look, I, I build or I have like five or six or seven very close friends I gain from a project, right, who are who become my personal friends at times, but very strong relationship I've built every year. And if I look at the last year, I've not built more than like two, maybe new relationships like that. And I think doing, building new relationships as TPMs becomes increasingly difficult when you're working from home, because you don't have these casual conversations, you don't have the coffee chats. So it's it's definitely a, a little tricky. And on the freelance and contracting bit, uh, it's definitely, definitely doable, at least what I'm seeing in the United States States, is that it's very very doable. TPM work is not only TPM work. All tech work is very open to being freelance and remote.
1: That's super interesting. One of the things that happens to us, you know, we are in Madrid, so we are a tech site oh. here in here in Madrid. So, remote working is something that we already were doing with people on yes. Seattle, with people on Europe. The situation now is that it has. The scale of the distribution now is way bigger. You know, now everybody in Madrid are working from home, etc. So I'm personally feeling what you say. You know, having this casual conversation with people is more difficult. Having these coffees to build a rapport among people is more difficult. So this is a soft skill that I, I agree that it's, it's something that we need to develop and we need to maintain. We have to make yeah. make room for those conversations, even if they are virtual conversations.
0: Yeah, yeah. So uh, so a couple of things which we've started doing as DPMs internally at, at Oracle is like we started doing uh, board games with our teams at least once a week. It might be a dev. It's all virtual board games. So yesterday we played uh, Code Names. I don't know if you, if you don't know about the game, you should definitely try it out with the team. It's, a, it's a very nice team game that you can go play. And then there are a lot of these virtual team games, and you need to make time for doing that. We have happy hours every two weeks where the entire team tries to get together. It's it's not mandatory again, right? It's definitely optional. But every other Friday, we sit together as the entire team and we discuss anything but work. So there's no work conversations. We try to avoid work conversations. And then we have these kind of virtual team building exercises. We're trying out with no meeting Fridays. A whole different set of ideas, but as TPM. Right. Let me emphasize that. As TPMs, we need to bring these ideas to the forefront and we need to drive them. Right. I feel TPM in, in one way, as, as somebody pointed out very clearly earlier, right? We are be water, my friend. Right. That's a very interesting saying. I feel we are the doctor of the team, right? We need to understand the emotions the team is going through, and we need to retool ourselves to help our team do a better job of, in a remote environment.
1: Okay, so let's move to the next question. People studying computer science can eventually work on different roles and have different career paths. Do you know the technical program manager role is studied by students in the university? And what are your
0: thoughts about it? Yeah, so the role itself, right? And it's it's very funny, right? I still believe that I think my blog is the only blog out there for TPNs, which is ridiculous. I wish there are 50, 60 more people who write about it. But it is a relatively new role, number one. It's also that it's not that uh, prolific in the sense it's uh, not all companies have it yet. So it's a relatively not so widely adapted role. So there aren't that many direct programs offered in universities. What universities offer uh, then and now is a good project management certification, right? You can go and learn project management. But this combination of uh, project management and technical aptitude, that is not like offered in most places. Uh, I don't know any that you know, have offered that in the United States at least, right? It's also something that you kind of fall into the role Because you can't just go to university, study a course or something for a TPM, and then come into and work at a tech organization as a TPM. Mm -hmm. Generally, most TPMs have a lot of experience in technology. They could have been a developer, they could have been a dev manager, whatever they have been in the past. They use that experience to be in the role of a TPM. Though a TPM is an individual contributor, you have a lot of experience. Outside experience as a TPM before you, you know, move into the role of a TPM. So yeah, there isn't anything that I know of.
1: Interesting. One of my colleagues here, his teacher also on one of the universities here in Madrid, and I asked him, "Do you know if the TPM role is in any, you know, on the subjects or mentioned, And yeah, yeah. so he took a look and no, it was not mentioned anywhere. Probably what, as you say, it's not so common. is a brand. It's, it's Something that is pretty new, etc. I would like to see that in the future we are we are mention, yes. mention it somewhere and we have more blogs,
0: podcasts, oh. um, and a
1: more exposure yeah. and visibility, you know, on the tech community.
0: Yeah, if you think about it, right, uh, the number of people who are TPMs, I think, has only has definitely gone up in the last couple of years, but it's reaching critical mass, I think, in the next four or five years. I mm-hmm. feel just now you're seeing a lot more TPMs than you used to five, seven years ago. Like seven years ago, there weren't any TP. There weren't like more than 4,000, 3,000 TPMs. And that was mostly in the core Seattle, Amazon area, right? Now only I feel a lot of, like Facebook adopted the role, Google's adopted the role, and several other organizations are adopting the role. And then now you're seeing non-tech companies all set up the role. So I think if you look at it 10 years in the future, I think, and as somebody, as you said, right, somebody is teaching now, right? I also am looking at going to teaching maybe three, three or four years from now. And as more and more of us start teaching, I think we can influence the curriculum at these universities and bring this more into a mainstream um, focus.
1: Okay. Well, and you have also started your teaching with your new academy program, <laughs> which yeah, I hope yeah.
0: is very is a success. <laughs> yes, slowly, like I'm working full time and then I have a family life. And then so uh, I, I try to do as much as I can and start new ventures, but it's been very interesting.
1: Okay, so keeping the conversation about the skills that a TPM needs, which skill set do you consider more important to grow as a technical program manager? Technical knowledge? Leadership, management, coordination, skills, knowledge on
0: the business side. I I think, you know, both of them are pretty important. If you think about like, you can't do one, you can't say that one is more important than the other. I think fairly they're both important. But how I would think about this is, is that it depends more on the team and what the team's needs are, right? And then if you flip this question a little bit, what I've seen work best for most people and teams is that you understand your strengths and pick a role that suits your strengths. So sometimes people say, oh, is, is, is technology, uh, understanding technology more important or is the program management side more important? And let me go and do one or the other. But yeah, try to do both to a certain level and a limit. And once you're proficient in both of them, then pick one that suits you better and then play to those strengths.
1: Okay. So what advice would you give to someone starting in a TPM position?
0: If you're starting in a TPM position and and you're new to the role, I think an easy thing to do is give yourself a plan, work with your manager, develop a plan of what you need to accomplish the first 90 days or first three months, 60 days, uh, three months, six months, and those kind of things. Have yourself a plan so that outcomes are very binary. Uh, they're very you either make it or you don't. Like try to like have smart goals, right? That's I think the number one thing you need to do. Then the second thing is uh, learn from your peers. I feel a lot of times when we think about mentors and somebody to coach you, we always are saying, "Hey, I." That person needs to be one level above me, right? Or needs to be uh, two levels above me. Think about your peers as equal partners and your peers have different skills if you look around the table, right? And work with your peers to t- and help them train you and coach you, get guidance from them, get feedback from the people you're working with. I think all those things, uh, having a plan, getting feedback from the team you're working with, getting help from your peers will definitely help. And then, of course, the regular stuff, right? you got to work hard, especially if you're starting as a TPM. I think you really need to work hard because your learning curve is going to be pretty steep, especially in a tech organization. And then learn the tech stack. Another thing which I can think about is uh, try to do your PMP. If you you don't have the project management fundamentals, I would definitely recommend going and uh, brushing up your uh, program management skills. That
1: makes a lot of sense. Okay. So... We have covered half of the question that we, that we already gathered. A reminder for the audience, if you have any follow-up question from what we are discussing with Mario, put a comment on the chat and maybe we can address that at that moment or later at the end of the session. The next question that we had was, how do you develop your teams and how do you like to do that?
0: Yeah, so as I mentioned earlier, my take is, one, is to do whatever it takes to make your team successful. right? The second thing is that don't make your team be dependent on you. Like if you go missing for five days, your team shouldn't be in a standstill position. And if they are, I feel you're not doing a good job right? Your job as a TPM is to ensure that everything is running, Uh, you're you're greasing everything and you're making sure everything is running really, really well. From a development perspective, hire and train the best, right? It's very important that you work with the product managers and your dev managers to bring in the best people, try to fill in the right gaps as a TPM, set up the right processes, give your teams the tools they need, and then uh, Build relationship with your team and with your peer teams. That's the only way um, I feel that you know you, you develop and you build that team and you build that team spirit. And I think with maybe with the COVID work from home situation, we need to definitely spend more time in what we earlier spoke about earlier, right? Of of building that enthusiasm and team spirit as as new team members come in, and as the team grows.
1: That's definitely one, uh, one key thing that we need to double down on. Okay, so yeah. Mario, the next question is about your direct experience. So in your career as TPM, what is the biggest learning you have made and the biggest challenge that you have faced?
0: Yeah, this, this made me uh, kind of reflect uh, uh, on, uh, so there have been so many learnings and I've been very fortunate that I've had a lot of experience in different types of organizations I've worked in a small startup type of organization which nearly tripled in size from a revenue perspective and from a team perspective. I've worked at a Boston Consulting Group, I don't know if you guys know about it, it's one of the world's top three consulting firms they have a, a 8 billion dollar turnover in terms of consulting, I worked there for some time and then i'm working on building the cloud at at oracle so there have been like different challenges if you look at it i I think the biggest one is uh, earlier in my career it was learning the technology learning the tech stack most recently if i look at my last four years at oracle the biggest learning i've had is working on large scale programs. And that's what I specialize in today. I specialize in running programs which are uh, very intense and very, uh, fairly long, like one year programs or one half year programs, which involve like 40 to 50 teams on a daily basis. So I generally run stand-ups with at least like 20 to 30 teams on a daily basis. And then pull in people from other teams. And there's always work for these 20 to 30 teams. So running large-scale programs is a totally different animal altogether. And that's kind of what I've been doing for the last three, four years. So that's been very challenging, and there's been a lot of learning. Think about moving an entire organization to do something. That's how I think about doing large-scale programs. You're working with every single team within an organization, or sometimes the combination of working within your organization and outside your organization as well. So, you know, making them do something which is um, engineering heavy and or it could be a process change or it could be all of these things. And you're doing that over a period of like one year, right? Um, so, you yeah, those kind of uh, projects are, have, have been most challenging. It's been interesting to figure out how to deliver these large scale programs.
1: I agree. You know, the larger a uh, program, the larger the number of dependencies etc at the, at the end they generate more risk more things to coordinate and, yes. and that's challenging you know if, if you multiply the number of things that can go either well or have <laughs> any issue yeah. you know you have to focus more you have to the challenges multiply that's that's obvious you know but seeing it is easier than really living you know the daily the daily situation of these projects you know i think that those are super Time-consuming, challenging, and at the end, rewarding. Whenever you launch something, yeah. it's super rewarding.
0: Yeah, so you, you also get to build relationships outside your organization, so that's really been fun. And then as my manager says sometimes, Mario, some of these programs are meant to fail, and that's why we are on it, right? These are moving mountains. It's not something really small. These are generally moving mountains, right? If we do this, if we can make this happen, the organization is going to be super-duper successful, right? Mm -hmm. And it's not been done before or it's never been attempted before because it's it's so significantly large, right? And definitely these kind of programs also have uh, severe executive backing. So there's some very, very senior executive who's putting his weight and taking this on. And we are doing this program on his his or her behalf, so we definitely have the executive backing. But we need to align like thirty or forty teams to march to our rhythm, and that's where it's been like super uh, challenging. It's been very interesting uh, learning experience.
1: Okay, so let's move to the next question. I think that somehow we have covered part of it. So, not all the teams have the TPM role. Then, what is your criteria to determine if a team requires a TPM? We, have, we yeah, have to talk I, I, about when a TPM is not needed anymore. As you say, we need to try to set the mechanisms, the processes, and and then have the people and the teams work alone. You don't have, as a TPM, you don't have to be all the time. But when do you see that it is needed at TPM?
0: So the TPM is needed when the team is big enough and they have a lot of external dependencies. Like I was talking to, uh, I don't know if you've heard, Ethan Evans, the podcast I did with Ethan Evans. He was a VP at Amazon for, I think, 15 years, right? One of the very early Amazon people, and he's been with the organization Amazon for a a very long time and asked him this exact question, right? And his thing is, if you're doing more greenfield projects, which are very self-contained within, at Amazon or other organizations. If they're very self-contained and you don't have too many dependencies, you generally probably don't want a TPM. You don't need a TPM. But once your project or program or product is has tentacles in literally everything it touches, then you need TPMs. The more dependencies you have, the more communication there is, the more upstream and downstream dependencies there are, you generally want to have a TPM so that somebody's managing all of that. All right. And somebody's keeping a very close eye on, on those kind of things. Does that make sense? Yeah, that completely makes sense. And this is
1: a topic that TPMs, at least here at Amazon, we have discussed many, many times. There yeah. is one, one more thing that we put on top of what you have just said, which is if the projects themselves are tied to goals, let's say VP goals, by president yeah. goals, etc. the higher the goal is, mm. we see more need of having a TPM protecting the deliveries contacting with partner teams taking a look to the dates the commitments etc you know so we fully this with the TPMs I've been in conversation with we agree with your view you know and we also think that depending on the importance of the project itself yeah. having a TPM for whatever the level of a TPM makes sense
0: that's, I, think, I think that it's an add-on thing, right? TPM does do a lot of communication, so it really makes sense. I want to answer the... I totally agree to that. I want to answer the first part of the question, which is not all teams and companies have the TPM role. And this is one of my fundamental things, which I talk about a lot, is you need to understand the type of an organization you are in. Forget that you're at Amazon for a second, right? If a company is truly believing that they are a technology-based company, then they generally have TPMs, or they see the value of having a TPM. Amazon, Facebook, Expedia, Google. the products might be different if you look at all these organizations, but at the core, they are a technology organization. And why do you call these companies technology organizations is because they put in a lot of time, effort, money and value the, the underlying technology. And when an organization starts doing that, I think that's where you see the TPM role more predominant or more common. So you don't think about Amazon and say, oh, Amazon is an e-commerce company. Yes, it is an e-commerce company. But it is so much more than that. It's a technology company, right, Mm -hmm. at its core. And that's where I think once that's the difference between banks and technology companies, That's the difference between so many other organizations and technology companies. Until companies understand that you need to invest like 10 times more into technology and technology is going to be that fundamental differentiating factor, you probably don't need a TPM Mm -hmm. because there isn't that much technology that you're kind of going to solve for. At least that's my take. Yep.
1: That makes sense. So now shifting gear to a different topic. People that have to prepare a, a TPM interview. Which resources do you suggest With someone wants to prepare a TPM interview? Yeah.
0: So uh, I'll take that from two angles. One is if you are interviewing other people. And so if you are interviewing other people, there's a lot of resources on my blog. You can go uh, read through them. There are a lot of questions on there. If you are preparing to attend the TPM interviews, I have a great program called ACE, the TPM interview. You should check that out. There's also a lot of podcasts I do. So almost all the podcasts I do are interviews with TPMs at other organizations, and that kind of gives you a good sense of the different types of cultures and different organizations. It also tells you which organization you want to go join and how the role is kind of little different between uh, Amazon and Google or Facebook and Microsoft. So that's a good thing to do. But in general, right, what you need to do is it's basically how I break it down is three steps. One is you write down good stories of what you've been doing and what you've done the last five years. Make sure your stories kind of map to the hundred odd interview questions. So you have a mapping of if somebody asks you for trust, I'm going to use story number three. If somebody asks you for conflict, I'm going to use story number one. So map general questions or leadership principles to your your stories. Once you're done with that, then it's pretty much system design. There's a lot of good YouTube videos on system design. There's also this program called Grokking the System Design. You can find a link to that on my blog with a 20% discount. You can use that. But basically, prep for system design. Uh, The third one is I do recommend reading a lot of books. Right now, we have a lot of good books. There's actually one of the best books I recommend is the Solution Architecture Handbook. That's actually written by an Amazon employee. He still works at Amazon. That's a fantastic book which um, covers literally everything for a TPM. And it doesn't go too deep. And it fairly covers everything from operations to architecture. And he's basically uh, this guy who's written it. He's a solution architect on the AWS team. And I feel that it for a TPM, it gives you a good run-through of general architecture and scalability. And then read books like Art of Scalability, the new book on um, microservice patterns. So there's a lot of books you can read. Make yourself familiar with newer design patterns. That probably would help. So three steps, again, stories, system design, uh, and then you can read a couple of books. Super good tips.
1: Uh, And also I think that you have covered the next two questions that I received from Partner TPNs. One was about any books or resources that you recommend for program management i think that yeah. you have mentioned you have books so, on your
0: on your blog so on that topic right i wanted to just mention that i'm a strong proponent of going and doing a PMP even if you don't do the PMP exam or the print certification try to go for one of those certifications or classes or, or at least if you don't want to do the certification classes that's fine buy the book buy the project management professional book the PMP uh, is very popular in the United States I think it's similar to prints in Europe where you learn the fundamentals of a project Right, At least buy one of those books and then go through it. Get yourself more familiar with traditional waterfall-based project management. There's a lot to learn from that. Though we don't actually use a lot of those things in today's world, you will see how you start a project, how it, what's the life cycle of a project, right? You learn that in a more formal way. And you'll also learn like tools like risk management tools, analysis tools, breakdown tools. There's so many things which you can actually learn from those kind of books. So I'd really recommend if if you're a dev, dev, if you've been a developer or a software or an SDM and you're thinking about moving to the TPM world, definitely go and do some project management, like spend some time on project management.
1: Okay, so we are getting to the end. The next question is about difference between working from home I'm from the office in the TPM role. Well, I think that we have covered this yeah, on previous questions.
0: That,
1: yeah. yeah, that's covered. And the last question that we got at was, if you see the TPM role also as a people manager position? And if so, managing which roles? Because usually, software development engineers are reporting to software development managers. So <laughs> yes. TPMs usually are not manager, or at least, you know, in the the ones that we have, we have contacted. So what are your thoughts yeah, yeah. here?
0: So it's very interesting, right? And I look at questions like this. I try to go back to the fundamentals, right? Of you can be an IC or you can be a manager, right? Okay. And then you need to decide whether you want to be a people manager or do you want to be an IC. In my personal opinion, and speaking to several people at Amazon and all the tech organizations, I truly believe that you can gain the same amount of financial success being in an IC role and being in a manager role for a a very large extent of your career. So you can be a principal TPM, you could be a TPM manager, almost the same similar type of compensation in most cases. You need to figure out like what you want to do, whether you want to go the IC path or the manager path. And then you need to kind of figure out like, First, figure out what you want to do. I think the question, let me reread the question. Do you see the TPM role as a people manager role? The TPM role in general, you you don't have people managers in the TPM. There are only certain orgs. I think Kindle is one of those orgs in Seattle which actually had, at least three years ago, it had like a, a good program management setup. You had a director of program management, you had program managers underneath that, and you had the whole setup. But you don't see that more uh, common in most organizations. So yeah, I don't know if I answer the question. I'm going to reread the second part. Software engineers usually report to software development managers. TPMs also report to dev managers of, or dev, dev, dev directors, right? You either as a TPM report to a senior manager, senior dev manager, or you report to a director. So. There's definitely a lot of growth. Don't feel that just because TPMs are ICs, they don't grow. There are also these other new roles which are shaping up now. Like I was as a TPM, as a principal TPM, I almost did one year as a chief of staff. So I was running programs for my VP who had around about like 1,200 people, right? 1,200 developers. It's a dev organization, right? So running all programs for that entire organization. So I worked as a chief of staff for one year. So that's a very, very interesting role. Still an IC role, so you can find roles like that. There's a very interesting role which is now also coming up within that supporting the VP of, of like a SWAT TPM, where you have burning issues that come up, and you as a TPM go and solve that issue for the for the vice president, right? Or for the senior executive. There are a lot of IC, high visibility, high impact type of um, roles, and you can say that they're TPM, but you can also, as a TPM, move into a dev manager role or a product manager role. If you want to manage people, that's also an option, right? So, I think, surprisingly, tech is actually very flexible in moving moving between roles. Like, tomorrow, if you go and tell your manager, hey, I want to try out as a dev manager, they're not going to say no, or they're not going to say yes right away, but they can put you on a path, get you the right tools and training so that you can make that transition, say, in a year or two. And if you have the right skills, there's somebody who's going to definitely uh, get you, help you get there, right? Mm-hmm. So either way, but don't think one is better than the other. Go back to the, what I mentioned on understand your strengths and double down on them
1: yeah i agree and i like it how you put it like it's more um personal choice what is what are your strengths and what do you want to do rather than a financial decision you know the two the yeah. two areas allow growth the two areas are equally paid etc so at the end is what are you good at and what do you want to do next
0: yeah yeah And don't feel that Becoming a manager is the only way to grow. I think a lot of us are are wired or told that way from the time we are we are young, and we always think, oh, you have to manage people, you have to have a team. That I don't think that's the only way that you can uh, succeed.
1: Mm-hmm. I agree. So we are about to finish. You know, we were planning yes. to finish in in seven minutes. So I would like from the rest of the people on the audience: Do you have any other follow-up question? Any comment? that you want to either say or ask Mario about? Okay, go ahead, Adrian. I just wanted to, to understand how, how do you kickstart projects? I mean, uh, normally when you arrive, you get into a project and then you already find a lot of things are ongoing. But what is yeah. your... If you have to kickstart a project with the best case, best setup,
0: Best setup. what is your foundations? Yeah, yeah foundations fundamentally, right? You, you have your... Uh, You either use your PR FAQ or you have your fundamental goal document, you break it down, you work with your engineering managers or your engineering leads, break it down first in the small uh, small pieces, look through each piece if you have a dependency, go and talk to whoever you're dependent on, figure out what it's going to take, what the timelines are, the the amount of effort, and then start putting together some kind of a timeline around all these things. That's what I would, uh, I don't know if you wanted a much more, probably you were looking for a much more detailed answer than that. But yeah, uh, was there anything specific you wanted to know? Yeah, more like, more or less, uh, what
1: is, how do you calibrate between uh, speed versus uh, team? Uh, how do you detect possible risks? Uh, do you Do you use any framework for that or? It's
0: just more intuition. <laughs> I it's guess that's more, we,
1: we, we go a lot by intuition, but it's just uh, wondering.
0: Yeah, no, I don't have a very uh, specific answer for you. Maybe if I think about it more, maybe I'll have something. But actually, I'm just Googling. I have a friend of mine who I just did a podcast with. He's a, This guy is a TPM at Google. And he just, like last week, he posted an article on, I'm just posting it on the chat, on what, is, what does a TPM do, a practical guide. And he goes into the whole process end-to-end of your question. This is a person, um, I actually d- did a podcast and I released the podcast like last Friday. So I I'd recommend, he he does have a little bit of tools and techniques there. So I think that's something, at least from a third party view, you you get to go and read that and see if it makes sense to you.
1: Perfect. Thank you a lot. Thank you, Norman. That was a super interesting question. So. I have one Mario. So reading your blog and listening to your podcast, I, I, I seen I have seen how passionate are you with that? How much time do you dedicate to the blog and the podcast?
0: Oh, my God. So this is very interesting, right? Because it's very, very hard for me to dedicate time. And sometimes I might go for like two months without doing anything, right? I generally try to do as much as of of this during a weekend. Or I'll get up at 5 o'clock in the morning and I might spend like two hours on something. It's very random and that's probably not what you want to hear but it's it's honest that's how life is right because life is so busy and i'm i'm literally at a very very good stage in my career at oracle it's been a very good experience but at the same time it's a very demanding job the one i'm in right now the last 3 years right so it's extremely demanding so i try to find uh, you know anytime i can i kind of work on my blog or I start an article sometimes my blog uh, one blog post might take me like two months to write, right? Because I'm refining it, refining it. And then I go and read a book about it, and then come back and write. So it's like, it really depends. It's hard to quantify. Like this podcast, which I did with this TPM who's from Google, we compare the TPM role at Google, Facebook, and Amazon. And it's very interesting, right? So, But to design that podcast, it took us nearly three months. You can listen to the podcast in like one hour, but it took us so many iterations to go through that because I always, one of the things I try to do uh, is to give very, very high quality content and I will not publish something which is not good. And so there's a lot of work which goes behind the scenes into all these things which which I do, right? There's podcast editing, there's cleanup, there's audio editing. There's like so many things that go into like releasing something. So. If I wasn't passionate, on the bottom line, I couldn't be doing what I'm doing. Right? It's just that you have to find the time and you have to prioritize. So, I think that's a roundabout way to answer your question. But mm.
1: great answer, you know. And and I can see how much you love what you do. You are waking up at five a.m. in order to <laughs> in order to in order to write a a post. edit your thing so mario this has been great i want to personally thank you again for your support and your willingness to to share your knowledge your experience etc with all of us it's been amazing and let's keep in touch you know i i think that this has been great and maybe we can repeat in the future and do more things together
0: thank you so much for having me and uh, and thanks for all of you to, you know come and send your questions in and and listen uh, to uh, this i really uh, enjoy doing this and and i'm i'm very happy to you know come and share my ideas with you hope to uh, do more um, in the space thank you so much for having me bye okay bye everyone <laughs>